Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yes. So it's episode 10. I am your co-host, Anthony Jelly. Alongside me today is Kent Huskins, and we have a very special guest. She is the host of the Totally Offsides podcast, formerly of the K-Rock Kevin and Bean Morning Show, and now also working at The Athletic. Please welcome Chip. You forgot a uh, world-class goalie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. I was. I had that in my nose too. I was going to be like aspiring beer league goalie, and I screwed the pooch on that one. My bad. But anyway, we are here. Kent, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, just uh, working through uh, some morning issues as always at the coffee shop here, and we're actually uh, not in our little alcove over in the uh, whatever the conference room. We're we're in the shop now. I've got my back turned. So uh, I won't know what's what's going wrong behind me. So I'll tell you if something explodes or if something's yeah. starting to smoke. But it's funny how uh, the problems always arise in the morning with the coffee shop. It's oh, never it's evening. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I guess it's prime time. And uh, last Saturday, prime example, I had to jet mid uh, mid broadcast. Uh, we had some issues. Uh, a late, a late arrival. Uh, the old dreaded Saturday morning shift uh, hurt someone there last week. So we had a. Had a no show, so yeah, I had to jump back there, and yeah, I guess it's uh, all part of the fun. <laughs> Kent was playing extra minutes uh, yeah. behind the uh, <laughs> yeah, behind the barista counter yesterday. Yeah, exactly. But w- today's topics, we're going to talk to Chip just about her general life as a Ducks fan and her podcast. We're going to talk the OT loss to Chicago and the regulation loss to Minnesota. We're going to go over uh, Andre Kasha a little bit, his return to the lineup. Um, and then we're going to look af- ahead at the next uh, next week of big games. Uh, we've got the Oilers. You get to see McDavid and Drysaddle coming up. Then we've got, I call it the Kent Huskins Bowl Jr., Red Wings versus Ducks. And then the main event, the Kent Huskins Bowl, Sharks versus Ducks. And then we've got the Blues the St. Louis Blues, Stanley Cup champions. Uh, so we're going to look ahead to all those, and then we'll have the three stars segment. So I think we're having a longer podcast today than normal, but it will be worth it. Um, so first, uh, Chip, let's get to your, uh, let's get to you, and uh, just kind of go over. So we spoke to about this the other day. Um, you want to talk about how you became a Ducks fan? Obviously, you grew up here in, in Orange County, but uh, how, how did you go about happening? Well, like as a as a kid in the '90s in Orange County, like it would. It's obviously the Mighty Ducks movies. Like that's how uh, that's how I got into hockey. And then um, we had a cul-de-sac in front of our house. We'd play street hockey, um, you know, trying to do the triple dekes and trying to do the knuckle pucks and all all that stuff. Um, but I didn't really get into hockey like watching live because my I, my parents were never into hockey as a kid, so I never went to the games. But 
um, as I was in college and had like the time and stuff, my first, I can't remember like exactly what year it was. It might have been, I think I said, I told you 10, but then I realized, oh, it's been even longer than that. I'm old, older. Um, but it was a Ducks Stars game for my friend's birthday party. Um, I had to be like a freshman or sophomore in college, and I'm like, oh my God, hockey is the best. Um, so, uh, so ever since then, I've been a, been a huge Ducks fan. Back, that was probably, you, you said, 07, 08, or 09? Yeah, about, yeah. I'd say probably actually like 06, 07. Who, and uh, don't, no, don't you, who was your favorite duck from that, from that, uh, from that, Aaron? Don't, and don't look across the table. There's Come no pressure. Now. There's no pressure. <laughs> you know the answer. <laughs> well, you gotta go husky, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I like, like, I wouldn't even say then, like, I was a super involved ducks fan, just because I was, Going to school full time. I was working at Disneyland full time. I was a character. That's where Chip. I don't know if I ever told you. That's where Chip comes from, because I that was a character at Disneyland at the same time. So I was going to school full time, working full time, and that's like the. I don't know if I ever told Husky this, but I wasn't even able to really celebrate the Cup win because I was working, like wow. work at school. Really? Yeah. So yeah. like that's why I keep saying the Ducks need to win again so I can celebrate properly. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Yeah. Like, uh, like Chip from Chip and Dale. Yeah. There you go. That was one of my favorites. And Husky, feel free to make your case about why you should have should have been her favorite player. <laughs> no, I, I probably absolutely should not have been. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of good candidates on that team. <laughs> Do you have a memory from when you became a Ducks fan so far, your favorite Ducks memory? So, so one of the funniest stories, so obviously when I worked for Kevin and Bean, I was the Ducks fan amongst, obviously, a Los Angeles, everyone else, a Kings fan. Um, and the best thing was every season, once or twice a season, Getsy Getz, would call in. And the funny thing about him was, you know, obviously, they usually, they, they'd give me crap about the Ducks all the time, but they would get the ask of, hey, do you want to have Getzloff on? And Kevin would always go, stupid Ducks. But I love Getzloff, okay. <laughs> and so he would always come on, and he was always great. And at one point, I think it was like two, or, two seasons ago, after the Ducks lost to the Preds, in the playoffs, and the Kings didn't make it that season. So to start the next season off, Getsy called in, and uh, Kevin made a comment about, you know, he's like, man, this offseason felt so long as a Kings fan, blah, blah, blah. And then Getsy said, we had some fun, though, right, Chip? And like just, like, totally just, like... So it was always fun when he called in, because, yeah, like, I think he knew, because I was in the studio, he would, like, he would make some digs at oh, Kevin and great. Allie. And so that was, always, that was always super fun. That's great. Could you uh, talk about kind of the, you mentioned a little bit, but the, the hockey kind of subculture amongst Kevin and Bean and that show? It seems like, I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, Allie went to school in the Northeast, but she's from here. Kevin and Bean were Kings fans. Um, I didn't know that. That's an, it's just kind of an interesting part of the show. And it's funny, too, because between Allie and Kevin and I, like, and Muggs, Muggs is a Kings fan, too, but even, like, during, during, like, commercial breaks and stuff, like, we'd always talk about, like, oh, did you go to the game last night? Like, it were, and, like, Bean would always go, like, do you guys just stop? Would you guys stop with the hockey? Like, uh, but, yeah, Allie, uh, her parents live out east, but she was born and raised here. Her family, if I, I, wait, I don't remember exactly how long, but they've been King's season ticket holders since she was a kid. So she, she goes back way, you know, way far back. And then I think Kevin became a King's fan because Kevin and Bean were from Arizona, and they came over here to start the show. And he came, you know, in like 1990, and then he was a huge Kings fan. So he goes, he goes to the games all the time, and he's taken me with him a couple times. And we have a, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's, been, it's, it's fun just to kind of have like everyone, Kevin and Bean, we kind of like had a, 
connection for like you know, music and movies and stuff but then between me Allie and Kevin it was always talking about hockey I don't know I'll, I'll ask you this now and I'll give you some time to think about it and we'll, we'll kind of fill we'll kind of filter this question in later but on the on the topic of the music um, if the Ducks were a band and and we'll we'll, we'll get back to this in a little bit and Kent and I will we'll start discussing and you can think about it uh, who would they be and uh, on that note, Ken, I think we uh, let's get to this uh, this first game. That's a tough question. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, I felt like the last uh, full disclosure, I, I interviewed Chip for a project I'm working on just a couple days ago, and I put her on the spot there, too. So it's pretty yeah. much. He's going to put me on the spot for a lot of things. Yeah, I, and nice. it's not intentional. I just I, I just call me imp, an impolite interviewer. I don't warn anyone <laughs> about what's going on. So uh, <laughs> and uh, feel free to chime in uh, as well on this discussion. Uh, OT lost to Chicago. Um, once again, a, a late comeback by the Ducks, but they fall short in overtime. Uh, what were your thoughts on that game, first of all? Well, I think the the story of the night was probably the the Getzloff thousandth game. I mean, that's such a milestone, um, and for such a, an unbelievable guy as Chip mentioned, and just. Uh, you know, for the caliber of player that he is, and that's what, um, you know, I, I'm partial, but you hear it from a variety of sports fans too. And, um, you know, just you get a caliber of, <clears throat> you know, surefire kind of Hall of Famer, like like Getsy, an unbelievable career, cup winner, two-time Olympic champion. Like the resume kind of goes on and on, but uh, just, just a great guy, treats everyone, uh, you know, like goal, just a great person, great captain, teammate, leader, example for the young guys. I think done it all for uh, this franchise and play a thousand games with one team is pretty, pretty insane uh, out this day and age. So just a, a cool night for him. Um, yeah, a b- big milestone there. So that was that was great. As far as the scope of the, the game, I think if you take a step back and look at the calendar of the Ducks for these month, this month, uh, some pretty tough stretches, and I think these were two games you would kind of hope for, uh, hope for a couple wins. Um, Chicago game, I think. I mean, they've got a good team. Obviously, Patrick Kane's still uh, worth the price of admission uh, in itself. <laughs> like he, that guy's still still incredible player. Um, him and Taves, uh, the way they connected on that over t- overtime. Uh, Winner, uh, still getting it done. Um, obviously not the dominance that they once had, but you see flashes every once in a while. But I, I think, yeah, it kind of had to be a bit of a, a disappointment, but that's the nature of the league. Now there's no there, there's no gimmies for sure. And I think these were two, like I said, you, you would hope for a couple wins with these games and it, it didn't work out. But, I mean, it, it was a good game, close game, lots of back and forth. Both goalies played well. Miller played great again. Um, but yeah, I think in the Ducks case, it seems like they, like most teams that are kind of scratching and clawing in that kind of middle ground, it's, uh, I think the tough part is not always getting up for and beating the teams ahead of you. Um, it's that, you know, you, you beat a team, have a, have a nice win, um, against, against a top 10 team. But then the next night, you've got someone that's below you, and all of a sudden, you go from the hunter to the hunted, and that's a tough role to be in um, because, you know, you're getting someone else's best the next night, and not always easy to get up 
uh, the same way for a team that's ahead of you as a team that's maybe towards the bottom of the league. And I think we saw a little bit of that with uh, just some some lapses in those two games. And I just think overall, um, I'd circled this kind of early in the year that a huge key for the Ducks was going to be the health of Manson and Lindholm. And now that Manson's out, I think you just see see kind of what what he brings to the table when he's in um and just it, it kind of just uh messes up some of the some of the matchups and get gets guys kind of playing outside their roles a little bit i thought um for the most part they've done a great job i think good branson's done well coming in um delzato is a name i i have circled every week that i want to talk about and we we never really get to but i think he's done in a uh, an awesome, awesome job for the Ducks is kind of an under the radar signing this summer, um, and I'd love to, I'd love to get him on to, to talk to him here about that that sequence of his uh, the last kind of couple years of his career, but uh, but yeah, I, I just think the, the Manson loss uh, is kind of showing um, showing the the results of that over the past few games, but. Uh, so that's kind of what I have, basically, for the for Chicago game. What did you see? Well, actually, I, I wanted to, uh, to pick up on something Chip mentioned to me earlier. You, you were talking about getting up for games and, and the level of opponent, but, Chip, you actually uh, noticed, and I'm sure a lot of other Ducks fans have, that they tend not to play well during uh, certain, <laughs> in certain situations. I'll let you go over that one. Yeah, it seems like the big, like, you know, with Getzley's thumb game or uh, Korea's retire, you know, Jersey retirement, stuff like that, those games, the Ducks seem to come out flat every time. I think maybe maybe the Niedermeyer might have, might, I think they may have won that one, but it seems like in general, those big kind of milestone games, they kind of just kind of just, for whatever reason, they just don't show up. Yeah, I mean, that's it's an interesting point. I, I think um, like hockey, kind of like all sports, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, it's an emotional game, I think, and a, a lot of times when uh, you kind of, take the emotion out of the game and just kind of focus on squarely what you're doing uh shift in shift out and you're kind of playing with that little bit of a an edge where you're not really thinking about winning the game necessarily as weird as that sounds you just kind of um focus on what you're doing i think you hear that a lot uh, in hockey interviews um about staying in the moment and all that kind of stuff that we hear all the time but i think that's why and um, and it also another factor is I think when you have those long ceremonies and uh, it affects your kind of pregame um, preparation from a physical standpoint too. And I know both both teams uh, have to deal with it. But um, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, and because I, I think in those scenarios sometimes you, you want to uh, there's probably a, a tendency as a human being to want to win that one extra for. Forgetsy, and I think at that point maybe there comes to be some some times where uh, you could press a little bit and start trying things that uh, you wouldn't normally try, and then things kind of start to unravel a little bit when that starts happening. So maybe that's a reason, but uh, yeah, it's uh, that is kind of an oddity for sure, and not something you you would expect. And you mentioned the the Manson loss, him being out of the lineup. Uh, and I'm wondering if uh, Eakins was trying to rustle up a little bit more offense. He had a, a couple moments out there where he had Getzlaff, Terry, Raquel. So he's got 
uh, or sorry, I had that wrong. He's got, I had, he had two centers out there. I think it was Getzlav, Steele, Raquel at one point, and they, uh, they scored that one, one of the goals against Chicago. Uh, I know it's kind of normal sometimes to have two centers out there for a draw in case someone gets chased, an important draw, and then they, one of them quickly changes, but they kept him out there for a while. Do you think that's kind of a push to try to get some extra offense when you're lacking on the defensive end? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I mean, I always like that, that coaching strategy, and I think it's just a matter of trying to, if things get, uh, I don't know, if things get kind of feel like they're a, a little stale and the chemistry's not there for that night, it's just a way to kind of shake things up and see if you can find some chemistry, putting different guys together and just trying different combinations to see if you can just get a little spark, even if it is for a period and you kind of know you have that basic roster framework of the lines you're going to kind of have night in night out but if you can uh if you, if you see something from uh from a couple of guys or or just see some chemistry that they've noticed in practice maybe different guys kind of going together that they can uh just kind of draw on and and see if they can try it out in a game and, and get something out of it so um yeah i think it does help help on draws i guess in in uh but I think that the main reason is just trying to find a spark and yeah, find some extra offense. So moving on to the loss to Minnesota, uh, the Andre Kasha return uh, from the jaw injury. The Ducks get two quick goals, uh, take a 2 nothing lead, and then kind of squander it slowly. It was felt like death by a 1,000 paper cuts, and then all of a sudden uh, it's a regulation loss to one of the uh, struggling teams in the NHL. And, and you mentioned the opportunity that the, the, the Ducks had to kind of beat two teams, but it's... Uh, that were at the bottom of the standings, but uh, you were mentioning it can be kind of hard. I mean, it seems like I, no, maybe I'm wrong on this, that they play down to their competition sometimes and, uh, and up uh, when they're playing against more competitive teams. Yeah, I think that's that's fair, and they, they definitely they wouldn't be the first team in history that that's the case. I think that's uh, a common a common issue and, and why there's so much parity in the league. And um, But yeah, I, I think that this one was... Uh, this one was a tough one, and, and the fact that they've got to kind of sit on it for um, a few days here and coming into a tough stretch for next week. But sometimes it's uh, you can turn that around and have uh, have that that extra kind of focus and drive, and turn that into a few good days of practice and and use that to kind of benefit uh, long term. But yeah, I think just uh, just the way that kind of game went was pretty frustrating. You kind of feel the frustration from the guys and and uh, the fans as well. It's up to nothing, and, and things look like they're going well. I think, um, and then it's it's two one, and then the uh, the kind of the turning point, the, the turn of events was, uh, I think, uh, uh, Zuccarello's goal, the, where they're they're coming the tail end of a power play. You're trying to make a play. Um, and then all of a sudden, in, in the, the span of a couple seconds, it goes from you're on offense to the puck's in your net, just to kind of a tough play there. You're, you're trying to make a play, and you always want guys to be aggressive, and that's great, but that's kind of the, the flip side of that that I talk about sometimes. Um, you know, with that being aggressive, sometimes it's not going to work out, and then all of a sudden, uh, they zip the puck up the ice for a breakaway coming out of the box, and it's 2-2, two -two, and, and then that's... Uh, that's a pretty deflating one, and then uh, and then you're kind of kind of scrambling and give up three two, and then the empty netter, and all of a sudden, yeah, you're on the on the wrong end of a four two loss to one of the the bottom teams in the league. So tough one for sure, um, but I guess uh, like I said, hopefully they can turn that into a 
good few days of practice, which I think has been their their mo this year. They, they've been been resilient uh, when things haven't gone well, and always kind of seem to respond. Seems like an upbeat group, upbeat coaching staff. Everything's kind of high energy, um, not getting bogged down too much. So. I'm curious to see how they come out in these upcoming games. So I think we can expect a good bounce back. Absolutely. And uh, having Andre Kasha in the lineup is uh, is going to be a big plus. Um, it was interesting. Eric Stevens had an article out at The Athletic this past week about, I, I guess, if Kasha should change his style of play, his aggressive kind of bowling ball style that's resulted in some some concussions. A jaw injury is the most recent one. And uh, he had a quote from Hampus Lindholm that – it kind of has my head tied in knots. Like it seems like a very, very elaborate way to say just keep your head on a swivel. But let me know if you if you got any if there's any inside baseball on this. He was referring to uh, some advice Scott Niedermeyer gave him. Said it's something Niedermeyer actually told me. If you pass the puck, always take one stride in the direction where you have your eyes. Because if you pass and you're looking down where you're passing without turning your head that way, that's when you get the straight on collisions when you're not ready. And when you're not ready, your body's all relaxed, and that's when you get usually real banged up. That was real good advice, and that helped me through a lot. Like, I get the whole, uh, like, relaxed body, and you get this when you get... But, like, you're just saying keep your head on a swivel there, right? I Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> was reading that quote, too, and, and I'm like, man, if if Scotty said it, that's, like, the gospel. Like, you, you take that, and you do it. Like, I'm like... Uh, yeah, so I, anything that guy says is correct. That's uh, that's That was always my, uh, my basis, and I think a, a good a good way to go, to go about things but yeah i know i read through that quote a couple times and i think it makes sense that that's basically the gist of it but uh i was thinking back to what i played and and yeah i mean if you uh like uh, so basically if you're skating in a straight line and you're passing to your right and you passed it and so you see a guy open to your right and you pass it to your right i think that the idea is that you don't keep skating straight because that's when you can get blindsided and and that definitely happened to me uh, more than one occasion. I think not that you're uh, admiring your pass, but maybe a little bit, I guess. <laughs> like, wow, that was a nice pass. Oh, right on the tape. Yeah, way to go, Husky. And then, <laughs> bam. Uh, but uh, no, always, always good advice. And, and that's awesome that, that, that he was, uh, that Hampus was kind of, uh, astute enough to, to take that advice from uh, that source and uh, and apply it to his game from such a young age and still remember it today. I think that uh, when you're, it's so important to be a student of the game and to kind of continually learn and, and be able to take things from uh, like sources like that, like like a Scotty or a Pronger or um, veteran guys or coaches uh, when they tell you stuff on video and to be able to kind of take that and stick it to the memory bank and apply it to your game moving forward it's just going to kind of keep helping you become a better and better player so that's cool to to hear him uh, quote that do you remember a specific hit that you absorbed in that type of situation one that stands out in your head where like oh god like it gives you nightmares uh i think there was one uh it was actually towards um the tough thing was my last couple of years i played in the minors so i I went back and played for, I had a couple of buddies that were coaching um, in uh, Vancouver's farm team. And they're actually um, Travis Green and Nolan Baumgartner, who are um, head coach and assistant coach, along with Newell Brown of the Canucks now, who are having an awesome season. Great team to watch. Um, but yeah, so I, I'd 
was basically uh, trying to get back to the NHL. So I went and played a couple of years in the American League, and we had a, a great time. And it actually turned into a cool experience uh, for me, kind of going from being the beneficiary of all those good advice and moments from being taught from some of the best to be able to kind of flip that and and help out some of the Vancouver's young prospects, hopefully, and, and at least kind of work alongside them and, and uh, kind of have that uh, reverse relationship with some of their young prospects. It was a cool, cool experience uh, to be able to kind of at least feel like you're kind of giving back a little bit. Um, it was cool. Uh, but the the flip side of that is uh, you don't know who anyone is like you know, like all the young <laughs> young guys you have no idea who's who's a fighter who's a scorer like whose number you don't recognize any names so I mean I got I got uh, yeah I got caught a couple times not knowing who different guys were and I think in the NHL uh, you just have to be so on your toes there's no room for any kind of lapse in concentration where i think in the american league as a veteran guy you can kind of set it in cruise control sometimes um and i mean it's just not always on your kind of pinpoint on your toes and just kind of get lulled to sleep but i don't know lulled to sleep a little bit and then so i think yeah there were a couple of times where i didn't know who i was on the ice with and all these kids that are like and it's not like they're six five but they're like 5'11", but like 240. And they just uh, they just like catch a piece of me and I go like helicoptering into the corner and a stick goes flying and it's like all embarrassed. But hey, you just got to shake it off and remember that number. Yeah, the yard sale. I thought you were going to say, oh, I taught a couple of AHL rookies some some valuable lessons there. Keep their head down. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah that, you, you tell them what to do and then, and then go out and then a shift on like the Sunday of uh, it's like in the American League you, the games were set up so you'd have like four games in five nights with like three or four hour bus time so the bus would be at 2pm leaving Utica to go to like Albany and then you'd have to get off the bus and play against like I'm like 35 and these kids are all like 20 and just like fly around and like been sleeping in their apartments all day and I've been like trying to unfold my legs from the back of the bus and and figure out where I am in, in Albany, New York. And then, uh, so yeah, just kind of on those Sunday games were tough. And that's when you'd usually get, get caught a little sleepy. Meanwhile, all the Albany players are like, Jesus, get me out of here. Like they're all a bundle of energy. Like I got to play hard so I don't have to be in friggin' Albany anymore. Oh yeah. Well, it's all just like, everyone's just chomping at the bed. I mean, you're you either have guys that are <clears throat> so hungry to, to stay there. Um, just because you're one step from the NHL or guys that are just have their, their lives are centered around making that next step. And I mean, there's scouts at every game and it's a really good league too, the AHL. Like, don't get me wrong. Like it's, uh, it's, <clears throat> I mean, they, I know the KHL is high skilled and everything, but the AHL is a really, really good league. And if, uh, yeah, like if you were sleeping sometimes like me, like you'd get caught and, uh, so yeah, I mean they're they're good players and, and everyone's hungry and like I say their lives are centered around either staying there or getting to the next level. So there's everyone's always always hungry. That's why they call it the always hungry league. All right. So moving on to the upcoming week, we got a few games. We've had almost a week off. I want to say five days since uh, we got to see the Ducks play. Chip, are there any uh, are there any games looking you're looking forward to this week uh, between Edmonton, San Jose, Detroit, and St. Louis uh, specifically? 
I would like to see how, you know, because uh, the Oilers, what, are they f- top of the Pacific right yeah. now? Yeah. I just yeah. like to see, like, these new kids, att- like, the younger kids, just a test against a team like that. And, you know, and Connor McDavid is always just insane to watch. Um, but, like, you know, like we were, you guys were talking about earlier, like, they seem, like, to play up to, you know, like the Vancouver game was at 7-4, and, like, you play up to the, the teams that are flying high. So it would be nice to have a test against another team like that. And I wonder, too, uh, depending on how they uh, combine McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, if they combine uh, Fowler and, and Lindholm uh, on the defensive, because it's that, that King, I mean, sorry, the Oilers don't have a lot of depth. Uh, and so if you, I think if you shut down that first line, uh, I think you're in good shape. So uh, if they're playing together. So I'm wondering, do you think if they, if they do play those two together that they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, keep, um, they'll, they'll pair Fowler and Lindholm together? Um, I think you'll definitely see uh, Lindholm for sure. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I wonder if... Uh, I haven't watched basically a single Oilers game this year, so I don't really know. I, yeah, I definitely, like you mentioned, they're definitely a top-heavy uh, team with two of the best players in the league on one team. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see yeah, who they put out uh, defensively as well as forward lines too. Um, I think it would be a, a good challenge for, uh, you know, no matter who they throw out there. But that's a tough matchup regardless. So uh, it would be a good test for the boys. I think uh, on my end, I'm, I'm curious to see how they play against St. Louis. That's obviously the test. Everyone uh, puts the target on the Stanley Cup champions back. Uh, I think more so than, than the offensive skill, I'm curious to see how the Ducks respond against such a physical team. The Ducks have been physical this season. They've got Gabranson. Uh, Manson's obviously out of the lineup, but they've had, and Comtois, Getzlav, and uh, Richie are physical. Yeah, there you go. Um, so they've got some physicality, but the, the Blues want to knock you through the end of the rink. They, they want to dump the puck in, just pulverize you in the corners, even more so now that I think Tarasenko is out. Um, so I'm looking forward to see how the Ducks respond at the end of a difficult week because I think that's the final game this week, four games. Uh, so that, that's going to be my, my kind of uh, what I'm looking out for. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's going to be a big, a big test. Um, obviously some, some important games through this week, and then it looks like uh, what's shaping up to be a pretty tough uh, road trip, a good challenge there. But the Ducks had a tough uh road trip earlier in the season and played some of their best hockey so um like i say they seem to kind of rise to the occasion but um yeah some tough tests this week with the the red wings that have kind of been playing up and down and kind of not not sure what um you're going to get from them on a nightly basis but definitely not i think the doormat that people thought they were going to be this year they've they've played some good hockey the sharks are kind of uh Still trying to kind of find some uh, some traction and find their footing a little bit, uh, kind of waiting for things to kind of jump off there. I think they've got a lot of good pieces in place, but just trying to find that chemistry. They're more of a kind of, uh, I would say, built for more of kind of the stretch run, for more kind of November through February. But um, I know they had a, had a tough start last year as well, so it's not like they've never been here before and they've, a lot of names on that roster. It's some pretty, some pretty good players uh, up there. So uh, I don't, I don't think they're, they're dead in the water as, as some people are, are writing them off. I, th- I think they've, uh, they've still got some stuff left in the tank for sure. 
Um, but yeah, the Blues game will definitely be interesting. I think that's a Saturday night game in St. Louis. So that's going to be a, a tough one. But yeah, I think we, we've seen the Ducks' ability to rise to the occasion. So that'll be a good one. Yeah, and a little history that could be made. I mean, kind of history against the Red Wings. The Ducks haven't swept the Red Wings since the 14-15 season. So maybe a little bit of motivation there. Oh, uh, they nice. have a chance to win it and, and sweep the season series with them. Um, but let's get back to uh, a couple more uh, chip questions since we haven't had you uh, oh. haven't had you on before. Um, oh, the band question. Yeah. Oh, wait for yeah. this. Keep the yeah. band. I'm trying to keep the balls uh, like juggling a little bit. Okay. So, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you're still thinking, yeah, I think, I, here, I think I, I, I've got kind of an answer. So my first approach to try and pick up what a, the band would be like. I was trying to think of a band that had like an older frontman surrounded by newer. Bandmates, I couldn't think of one. Like social distortion, like Mike Ness is the only original member, then everyone else behind him. But they've been around for that that lineup's been around for a few years. So instead I was gonna my other approach was looking at John Gibson. I would say the 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 ducks right now are kind of like the vandals, where you have the best drummer in the world. What's in front of them sometimes doesn't always come together. You're gonna have a good show and you're gonna have fun watching it. Sometimes it's a little bit of a train wreck, but you go and you just have fun anyway. And I think that's what the the, the ducks are like the vandals. Wow, good, <laughs> good answer. answer. I like that. Yeah, just, uh, Chip wanted to know where you think the ducks are this season. What what's been your general impression of them? Well, I think coming in, like I was just excited to see a team that is fast. I mean, not just is fast, but plays faster. It's from a ducks fan perspective. Even I came into this going, okay. They're not, they may not get a playoff spot this year, but the growth is there, and just being able to go to games and just have fun watching it, that's been, like, the big, the big takeaway. Seeing the, the kids come out and, you know, some, you know, the power play and the penalty kill can use some, some help, but um, seeing these, these kids out here playing, you know, real minutes and kind of gelling and the team going in that direction, kind of see the growth of it, I think it's really cool. Like, you know, last year was kind of a, you know, a slog to get through, um, and you're going to games and you're like, oh, this is just, okay. How many shots can they give up? Yeah, I'm like, poor Gibby. Just, someone just, <laughs> just give him a break. But uh, I just think as far as the season go, like, you, I wouldn't say I had low expectations. I just knew it would be a season of growth, of growth, but I'm having a good time watching them grow. Yeah, well said. Have you been surprised by anyone specifically uh, that's kind of hopped onto the Ducks roster and played a bigger role? So far, um, I just love seeing. Try to think of who like who would. Yeah, you're good at this. That's not your style, man. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Let's see. Uh, I think uh, Gou- is Gouli still down in with the goals right now? Yeah. Yeah. But the first chunk of the season, I think watching him play has been. Been, been great. I'd like to see him come back up. Uh, but then just seeing, like, just see t- Terry and Steele and everyone get more comfortable, like, that's been, that's been cool. Have you been disappointed by anyone in particular? I mean, I'll, uh, I'll stall for a little bit. She's got her thinking cap on. There, all right, here we go. <laughs> I would like to see, I mean, Richie has been better as far as offensive penalties and stuff, but I, th- I don't know, like, I, I'd like to see less of that from him. But I mean, he has been doing better. Like I know, like a lot last year was a lot of people going like, "Oh, trade him, get rid of him." But like, and after he, had, you know, he, he 
he held out for a little bit of the first part of the season, and he came in. I think he, you know, he signed that new contract, and uh, I think he's he's learned from that a little bit. Um, but I still think we could probably get a little more out of him. At the risk of being crucified by Ducks fans, I wonder if he's a little bit like Brad Marchand in that last year he toned down the penalties for a lot of the season, had a kind of a disappointment. I mean, he also had the holdout, but had a disappointing yeah. offensive season. Uh, I wonder if he's the type of guy who needs to mix it up and, 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 and maybe be a little bit of a loose cannon to be engaged in the game and, and score. I mean, is that your impression maybe, Kent? Yeah, I, I think that's probably not too far off. I mean, um, there, there are definitely guys that, that play like that and you want um, yeah, you definitely want the, the discipline and I guess the the finer you can walk that line and I guess that's a, a skill that you got to kind of manage yourself a little bit and as you kind of gain experience and grow as a player um, and get a little older as a, a human being, you kind of get to know yourself a little more and, and uh, how you can kind of walk that line a, a little um, more finer where you're not uh, kind of going over the edge, but I guess that's, uh, you know, they, they have always talked about guys playing kind of on the edge or with an edge, or, and I, I guess that's, I, I do picture him. That's a, a good point. Like, I think he's, he is that, that type of personality and that type of player where if you can kind of find a way to get as close to that, that edge where you kind of are engaged in the game and you kind of have your, your personal battles going on and, and, uh, that's what kind of fuels your game, and you need that, uh, and to be able to find a way to do that without going over that edge. Because um, yeah, I do think there is a correlation that we've seen from him that when when he is battling and, and chirping and getting into it after the whistle and kind of going after guys on the other team, that's when he kind of plays some of his best, and that does translate into into kind of playing with that that bit of a mean streak. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think as he continues to develop that, he'll, he'll keep growing as a player. He's not nearly as much of a rat as Marchand did. He, he's no, not nearly he's not as dirty anyone. or anything no. like that. So no. uh, he's not, he, he's more of a, a uh, I'll say on the legal, less annoying side of things. But he, is, he, is, he does like to mix things up. He's got to find his Perry balance. Yeah, there you go. The Perry, <laughs> the Perry quotient. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the three stars segment that we didn't get to do last week. Um, I like this one. I, I kind of thought over this one a lot because I didn't want to go over the obvious answers. But uh, the three best celebrations uh, in your memory or that you've watched or been experienced uh, in the NHL. Or it could be international, somewhere, wherever. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm, I was reading your notes. I like yours, too. There, were, there was one on there specifically that I forgot, which was uh, was was epic scenario, which was great. Um, my three was... Um, a couple of, couple of Ducks, uh, Ducks alumni, well-known guys. The first one that I think as we all kind of mimicked it as kids was the Solani when he threw the goal up and shot it with his stick. That's kind of an iconic one. Uh, always remember. Just kind of like, like, yeah, just so innovative and like nothing that had been done in hockey, but it was like okay because it was Timu and everyone loved the guy and he was so unbelievably... Uh, sick at hockey and scoring goals and um, just like uh, to have that kind of flash and, and uh, pull off that celebration after uh, reaching the milestone that he just did I think that was a really cool moment for hockey um, second one was uh, one of my favorite 
another one uh, that we always talked about uh, growing up and mimicked on the outdoor rink and street hockey and uh, et cetera, et cetera, was the Mayday goal, Brad May, uh, yeah. not, with, with the call by uh, one of the best announcers, too, Rick Jenner at Buffalo. Uh, that call and the fact that he just, like, wa- walked uh, Ray Bork and went in and, like, scored and then took off up the ice with Jarrett screaming, like, Mayday. And just the, the energy of it all was, uh, that was just awesome, awesome celebration. And then... The third one, I tried to think of something personal. Um, I didn't have too many goals, uh, <laughs> let alone like scenarios where I was thinking ahead of time what I would do if I would score. Uh, so I had to go back to kind of the college days. And I think it was my junior year. I don't know, you're kind of still a bit of an idiot in college, right? And I was just kind of like, what? Um, and all, all of our buddies, it was back, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was this big controversy, especially in college sports, where it was like, the throat slit and it was like so like taboo like frowned upon like guys were getting suspended for doing the throat slit and then or should they should they not get suspended like what's and then I don't know we were playing like RPI in Clarkson and I think we were up 6-3 and I scored I think to go up like 7-3 or something and I turned to the bench and like I'm just like just to be stupid I like something we could all laugh about I did the the throat slit and I was just like oh god I just thinking about I never would oh my this god just thinking about it after like what an idiot like <laughs> god, so stupid but I we, we had a laugh about it and I don't know I didn't get suspended or anything but uh, um, and another one was um, one of my buddies so it was actually when we went to that game and watched a Calgary game uh, the guy sitting on our left was a scout named Jerry O'Flaherty um, for Tampa and I played with his nephew, Kevin O'Flaherty. So that's, I was kind of still thinking about uh, um, that while I was thinking about my three stars. And I just remembered, so Clarkson was playing uh, St. Lawrence, which is our epic rival in upstate New York. So there's Potsdam and Canton that are um, small college towns. Each um, school has Division One hockey. Hockey was the only Division One sport. I think that's still the case. But so a huge, huge rivalry in upstate New York. So the Clarkson-St. Lawrence game's always kind of circled. And uh, I think we were over in St. Lawrence. And I think we beat them one nothing. And Kevin, o- Kevin O'Flaherty, uh, my buddy, scored. And he did the, uh, he did the shush. He did like the shh, like with the finger to the lips. Oh, so just seeing Jared Flair and thinking of Kevin O'Flair talking about goal celebration, that was the one that I thought was the shh. That was always one of my favorites and just a, another funny one. So those were those were mine. And I want to, you got some good ones here too, though. I want to hear, hear your three here. Yeah. I mean, I tried to, I tried to think hard about this. Uh, in a way, I was a little relieved that we delayed it to this week because I, I, I was going to go with the obvious ones last week and I wanted to put more thought into it. You got obviously your, your Bobby Orr's, you got your Solani's. The, the Iserman OT goal, uh, when, I want to say it was 96 or 97 uh, to beat the Blues. That, I mean, I know it's kind of a legendary goal, but it was also just such a euphoric, like, outburst. Like, the whole stadium is going nuts. He's yeah. kind of, like, doing this weird, like, gallop jog into the corner, and you've got, like, the camera angle where he's kind of coming around after that, like, laser of a shot. Yeah. That just, everything that's so organic and such an awesome goal celebration to me, it's just, like, pure joy. Yeah. There's nothing... There's nothing more exciting than that. So that was number one for sure for me. 
Uh, second one, the Merrick Malik shootout goal where he went between the legs and like round nine million of the shootout. So awesome. <laughs> but that was such a cocky goal. But then the celebration, he just kind of puts his arms out and looks around like the glad, like uh, glad. like, are you not entertained? Yeah. Like so he was awesome. just like, yeah, I knew I could do this. Nobody thought I could do it, but I did it. So what now? Yeah. Um, so and then the bird, the Kuznetsov, it's, it's kind of awkward. Like it's, it's, it just kind of like he. I don't know. Does he drop his stick? No, he, he holds his stick and he just kind of flaps his shit. It's like the chicken dance, but I like it. Like uh, when he beat Pittsburgh in overtime, like he, he did that. And I, I, that was the first, I think he'd been doing it before, but that was the first time I'd seen it. And I yeah. was like, that, I don't know. I guess that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you just got to commit. That's the thing. If you, if you do half acid, yeah. it's not going to look any, you know, any amount of cool. Yeah, right? true. This, if, you, if you just go all out for it, then, then it, it works. Anything can work. Do you have any uh, that you can think of, and you could go with the obvious or the not so obvious or whatever you want? Yeah, I would say like the Solani one was the first one for sure that came to my mind. But also, as you were talking about, like as far as like pure like crowd elated and everything like that, um, the comeback on Catella when Perry scored in the double overtime, and just the way he turned back and like everyone just like mobbed him and the whole crowd like I think for me like that to, the one I, my favorite one that I've witnessed is was his uh, double overtime winner. Absolutely. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Flying V podcast. We're going to come back next week, probably, hopefully with some more interviews. We're still working on uh, on more interviews. Um, we've got some ideas. Uh, obviously, this one was awesome. Thank you, Chip, for coming. That yeah, was uh, thanks, that was unbelievable. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming back next week. Sorry. Yeah, she's actually a returning yeah, cast member. <laughs> <laughs> the totally off-size Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast. There we go. I like it. Um, as always, you can find me at Deli Tweets on Twitter. Uh, you can find Kent on Instagram. I'll give you, I'll let you, him give you his. Yeah, Husqvarna, H-U-S-K underscore V-E-R-N-A. Uh, no post in the last three weeks, but uh, it's there. The account is there. <laughs> and if you follow Kent and I, you, odds are you probably already follow Chip, but uh, here's Chip's social media info. Uh any of the uh, same handle for everything it's uh, that girl chip and uh, you're still doing ep- uh, episodes of totally offsides when you get the chance right yeah I'm working on bringing it back because I, I you know I have to I had to switch hold if anyone is good at uh, Apple podcasts I have a, a problem I need if anyone knows how to I've been trying to as I've been posting my podcast through SoundCloud now so Spotify all the other things iTunes keeps rejecting mine so I don't know why, but if anyone's good at Apple Podcasts and figuring out how to fix my podcast, that'd be really <laughs> helpful. And apparently uh, you've upset um, Steve Jobs from the grave. That's oh, just, yeah. uh, it's, he's, he's coming back after you. And finally, you can find us on all your favorite uh, podcast directories. Excuse me, a little bit of brain fart there. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. iTunes, how do you like that, Chip? There you go. You can find ours on iTunes. What now? What now? Yeah, it's got big time. <laughs> big times, but she's still about probably 2,000 more listeners than we have on a regular basis. So <laughs> it's all's well that ends well. Finally, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on your social accounts. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.